0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is October 12, 2020. And the purpose behind these weekly meetings is to introduce triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles and also to provide a platform for people who are already members of triangles to come together each week in the support and strengthening of the planetary network through a visualization. As most of you know, triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. Three people agree to work together each day to visualize a line of lighted, loving communication, a triangle between the three of them. And then through this means, they also link with the other triangles throughout the planet, the thousands of other people who are also working. And then we close the work by sounding the great invocation and visualizing the energies of light, love, and goodwill being distributed to all parts of the planet and finding reception in the hearts and minds of all those people who are open to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. So the work need only take a few minutes each day. And so we join you and hope to join you all each day, not only in these weekly meetings, but each day we can link up together in consciousness to play our part in planetary transformation, because that's really what the work is all about. One of the primary objectives of the Triangle's work is through the power of our collective thought, to actually transform the etheric grid, the energy structure within the planet from its present formation of squares, which are representative of the personality, and to overlay this and actually transform it into a network of triangles, which is the symbol of the soul. So through this work, aided and abetted by all others working within the new group of world servers, this transformation is taking place and will increase increasingly do so as the decades move forward so we're playing our small part and these weekly meetings are really a boost to the work of triangles and so we really appreciate all of your participation so as we do um, each week we'll begin with a brief visualization and I should say before we do that introduce our guests for today who is someone who's quite familiar with those of you who are regular participants in this uh, webinar, Eduardo Grimaglia from Argentina, and he's going to share some fundamental ideas about esoteric astrology. And just to introduce Eduardo, he holds a degree in classical philology, and his main area of research is in late Hellenistic tradition, and he studied and practiced astrology for many years, and in 2006, published his work called Hermetic Astrology, which was the first book in Spanish on the ancient astrological traditions, and he also takes part in many astrological conventions and seminars. He's also published two English translations from ancient Greek of ancient astrological manuals, which have been edited by Benjamin Dykes. And Eduardo is also presently working within a research group on ancient religion and myth and teaches Sanskrit language and literature at the National University. So we look forward very much to hearing from Eduardo later. And now as we do each week, let's begin with a brief meditative alignment followed by the
1: sounding of a mantra. So let's visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, let's visualize a triangle
0: consisting of the three primary planetary centers, Shambhala, The planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart
1: and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the
0: triangle. Merging and blending the three points,
1: the three suns, filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, let's visualize a five-pointed star, the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and present, radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the triangle, the sphere of his activity, stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from each of the points. London. Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our
0: hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth,
1: the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place
0: and bring from thence the gift of understanding.
1: Thus, with the light, we work and turn the darkness into day. Thank you. In our triangle's work, we
0: come together to bring the three points of our triangle together, merging and blending them, one with each other. Three people come together each day, and each is composed of many divergent energies and forces at the outer level of appearance. But we unite together at the level of the soul, all working towards the same goal. We're united in our triangles work by the things we share in common, our common desire for the one humanity, our common desire for improved conditions in our world, letting in light, letting in love letting in the will to good. These are the things we share. We also share our common aspiration to grow spiritually and to do so in cooperation with others.
1: We share our common aspiration to contribute towards the upliftment of our earth.
0: Today, as I mentioned, we're going to focus on a few points related to the science of astrology, which is, after all, the study of relationships. It's the fundamental science of relationships. Today we often focus on understanding our own chart, but astrology itself is so much faster than that, and we'll
1: touch upon a few of the points why that's so today. Astrology works with the study of triangles, as we've mentioned before.
0: There's a vast interlocking of triangles and other geometric shapes that underlies this entire field of study. It's the vehicle, these triangles and other shapes are the vehicles through which powerful energies are stepped down in order to serve the purposes of the plan. But before we can start and look into a few fundamental points in relationship to astrology, I just wanted to share a few short points related to the seven rays. For these two sciences cannot be separated. And in fact, the seven rays is the fundamental underlying science of astrology. And so we have to have some understanding of that fundamental science but it's a quite abstract one, and that's perhaps why it really wasn't given out to the public until 100 years ago or so. Prior to that, the focus was more on astrology without this fundamental underpinning. So to get some conception of these rays, we might ask, where are they situated within space and relationship to our tiny sphere? Because they exist, of course, within the vast network of the great life that souls all of space. That life is composed of vast rays of energy that interpenetrate all things. But right now we're concerned more with how those energies are forming uh, and overshadowing energy within our, our system, our local system. And so the tibetan tells us and most of us here probably know that this seven stars of the great bear the big dipper dipper form an inlet for each of the seven rays but what's not always generally understood is how the rays get from there to our little sphere so i just like to outline a few points related to that we're said that the This great constellation of the Great Bear overshadows, along with two other constellations, it overshadows that great life in the teachings of Ageless Wisdom, which is called the One about whom not may be said. Which we could understand as a super cosmic logos. We have our planetary logos, we have a solar logos, but this is a super cosmic logos very much more powerful than our little spheres here. And surrounding that great Logos, overshadowed by these very powerful constellations, one of which, is the We have an outlet for the sun rays. They pour out through this great life, through seven um, extra zodiacal, we might say, extra zodiacal constellations, seven powerful constellations which embody, each one embodies a ray energy, primary ray energy. And each of us, in fact, to bring it closer to home, is related to one of those rays, because one of those rays are, are the guiding source for us on a soul level. So these are not just abstract constellations. They are related to us. And the further we travel along the path of return, along our soul ray, we will eventually be found more closely related with these energies. And then these Seven constellational lives that each transmit a ray energy overshadow the zodiacal constellations along certain lines related to the rays. And then these energies are distributed through our sun as it moves through the heavens each month and distributed to our planet through the sacred planet along the line of that zodiacal and ray energy. So in this time, just to state... Um, the energy of the seventh ray is very active for libra is overshadowed by a great constellational life along the seventh ray line the great draco the dragon giving a super charge of will energy because as we know the seventh ray is the vehicle for the manifestation of the will energy on the physical plane and so we have this powerful influx of will to our planet at this time, along the lines of the seventh ray. And as we know, this is also a conditioning energy that's working powerfully through the Aquarian age that's coming in. So this Libra energy works very well in relationship to the seventh ray sign of Aquarius and the seventh ray energy pouring in. So just to close with a, a, a passage from the teachings, Many teachings are given or related to the qualities of each of the rays. But I particularly like this one because it brings it a little closer to home. It shows how the transformation works out in a, in a person or a group or an age, we might say now, which is becoming qualified more closely at the soul level by this seventh ray energy. So I just ask that we take a few moments to ponder these words. They're very visual. So I'm going to paraphrase them here and we could begin by just closing our eyes and visualize this scene. We see a man sitting under a teetering arch between two rooms.
1: He's facing towards the room that's full of movement, activity, chaos without form a room of work, but this work has no true objective.
0: The other room is one of the life, light, and power
1: of stillness, which is purpose, beauty, which is space.
0: His back is towards the room of vital stillness. He knows it not. The man's been sitting under the arch for ages, trying to figure out how to rearrange the chaos of the room so that beauty might shine forth and harmony sound forth, but he had no success. Then as the man sat there, he sensed something above his head and behind his back. Then within the room of ordered beauty, a magnet vase began to oscillate. The magnet turned him round until he faced the other room, unseen before. Then the passage goes. Then, through the center of his heart, the magnet poured its forth, attractive. The magnet poured its force, repulsive. It reduced the chaos until its forms no longer could be seen. Some aspects of a beauty unrevealed before emerged and from from the room, a light shone forth and by its powers
1: and life to move forward into light and leave the arch of peril. So let's now work together in our meditation. We come together in group fusion. Let's link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light
0: with all those other souls and people throughout the world who are working
1: with this triangle meditation group. Let's project a line of lighted energy towards the center of Shambhala. In the center of the will of God, I stand.
0: Nought shall deflect my will from his.
1: I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Now visualize a triangle of light, using the creative imagination, creating this triangle in a third substance. Sound the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I
0: seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone.
1: Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great vocation,
0: let's pause and consider the work to be done by the words as they're poured out. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel
1: through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. Thank you,
0: everyone. And now we have the opportunity to hear from our good friend, Eduardo. And uh, welcome, Eduardo.
2: Thank you, Kathy. And thank you for the inspiring thoughts and visualization you gifted us with. Uh, Hello, everyone. (laughs) There's always a joy to be here and share a few thoughts with the group. I thought we could resume our reflections on astrology.
0: Yes. Yes, we're so grateful to have you here and also to work together with our so many workers that we have in South and Central America. It's just yeah. wonderful that we can bring a little bit of your inspiration to our, the rest of the world. So we welcome you.
2: Um,
0: some weeks ago we talked about the antiquity of astrology and its history. Can we say, um, therefore, that astrology is an exact science, because it's been around for so long?
2: Well, uh, we all like to say so, but exactly in what sense, we may wonder, in the sense of having the right techniques to predict events in our personal life with accuracy, or perhaps in the sense of giving an accurate description of the energies behind outer events. I think this is the the, the point that the Tibetan clearly makes, by the way, when he introduces the science of triangles. In the heart of this problem uh, rests the theory of the zodiac, as you suggested, too, which is said to be a part of a great illusion. So if it is, if it, if it is space on illusion, why is astrology said to be connected, no less than with the divine plan, being also thought to be esoteric? And for the Tibetan master astrology is essentially, he says, the purest presentation of occult truth precisely because it deals with energies and forces which play upon the whole field of space, that mysterious entity. And I think this is the, the cl- I would say the clue of Ariadne, which will help restore this science to its original beauty By the way, you may already know that the original meaning of the word clue was a ball of yarn and it's connected precisely with this myth of Theseus, Ariadne, and the Minotaur. So, Yeah, so the clue of Ariadne here is that astrology is in itself an exact science because it is a faithful representation of the cyclic energies playing within that cosmic network and reaching us. However, only when the interconnectedness of all is understood and put into practice, when we as human race see everything as truly interrelated, only then will astrology help us live in a truly scientific way. This seems to be the the purpose of astrology, as we're told. So the new astrology will deal with significance and meaning, not with outer happenings. I think it is said to be esoteric precisely in this sense.
0: Yeah. So that's, would you say, what's that's the primary distinction that you would see between the exoteric, the concurrent manifestation of astrology and the more esoteric that's coming to birth?
2: Yeah. Uh, and I would say that we're not truly aware, we're not, not always aware of what the word esoteric means. But yeah. If I had to narrow down a few features so to be able to define what esoteric means, I would think of four basic qualities. The first, that esotericism thinks in terms of correspondences, in the the very sense of the hermetic axiom as above, so below, Mm -hmm. right? The second, that it gives the idea, and this is very important, of a universe which is alive, and with consciousness, right. and this yeah. idea was so much developed by the Stoic philosophy. Uh, I, I always like to point out that these ideas are not new. <laughs> right. And the third, the third is that uh, that nature is seen as a riddle, which has to be to be unravelled. To think in esoteric terms involves seeing nature as a symbol or a hieroglyph of inner realities. So the attention is thus turned to the conditioning energies, the cause, not the effects, the outer events. We see that even science could be considered esoteric in more than one sense. And finally, the fourth feature is that, maybe the most important and the most lacking sometimes, is that the result of this breaking of the riddle of the sphinx, Sphinx must lead to a self-transformation, an experience of transmutation, so that the outer action agrees with the inner livingness, that the idea that we are sort of trapped within a matrix and that we, by our own effort, must work our way out of this imprisonment is a very ancient one. It does not come from Hollywood. It was a Gnostic idea. In a way, astrology Resembles that ancient science of alchemy which deals with the inner meaning behind chemical processes, the search for the philosopher's stone or a universal universal elixir of life, not to mention the transformation of raw matter into gold, are sort of outer symbols of the inner regeneration of of man,
0: yeah, yeah, thank you. So you're saying that this new astrology is not so much related to outer events, but more to consciousness. So how would you how does does that have any way to work out in an individual horoscope?
2: Well, yes. Uh, you know, the discussion on the nature and possibilities of astrology is a very old one. And it has been taking place for centuries. The problem of the individual horoscope mm-hmm. is an old one. And uh, because since the days of Hellenistic astrology, a great interest in the individual horoscope emerged. Mm -hmm. You know, we said last time that the oldest individual, extant individual horoscope, now kept in Oxford, dates back to 80 years before Christ. Mm -hmm. We said that there might have been political and economic reasons for this shift from global to individual astrology, because astrology had been practiced in practiced in Mesopotamia and India for centuries before that time. They're not with the same principles which now condition modern astrological practice. The the interest in the individual was a prominent feature of Greek and Roman culture from when the extant texts come from. But as we see Aquarian energies coming in, we are now faced with the challenge of learning to see ourselves as part of the whole, I see the growing interest in mundane or global astrology as a step forward, as the Mm -hmm. focus is turned to more global affairs. Mm -hmm. So in order to become an exact science, astrology, I would say must undergo a sort of decentralization, just as we human beings. Because true esoteric astrology will concern itself with the unfoldment, unfoldment of consciousness, and therefore with the horoscope of the soul, and will be useful to awaken those peculiar ray gifts within each one. Yes. Uh, which is yeah. not an easy subject, right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: it seems like we're transitioning through, throughout this age, it'll be a transition then from kind of a, a, a blending process between the Leo and the Aquarius, what we have to do in any, in any two signs. We have to merge the individual with the universal, but particularly so in this polarity, and so I don't think necessarily that we will throw out the baby with the bath. We won't throw out the individual horoscope, but it will be turned to service purposes. Not so much about interest in one's personality life, well, but how can one serve better? How can one fulfill one's dharma through an
2: understanding of one's horoscope? Well, I think that of course, of course, individual horoscope. It, maybe not in the interpretation. It has to be, it has to be with the interpretation of a horoscope that will be not in the sense of outer happenings or happenings circling or surrounding one's dramatic life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one seen as a center of the universe, of the dramatic universe, but in a sense of the real self. I yeah. think that's the key to the polarity Leo-Aquarius.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, there's a reason why, in in, in Leo, we have uh, Sun ruling all levels, and behind the Sun, we are told that it is Neptune, and beyond Neptune, Uranus. Mm-hmm. You know, there are different stages of of, of unveiling, of recognition, yeah. right? So. Um, it has so profound astrological implications, I think.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I know the Tibetan mentions that if we can understand the symbolism underlying the sign of Leo, that it holds the secret to esoteric astrology. I think, as as you say, it's the understanding of the movement from the ordinary self-centered individual to the more mystically oriented individual energy, to I, the more occult...
3: Yes,
2: and I think the key to that is that we should really consider uh, the axis Leo-Aquarius as just one polarity of energies. Exactly. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. uh, it, this is a, you know, it's it, 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 it's not an opposition, it's a, a constant feedback between both signs, there's an energy, yeah. and so uh, I, in fact Astrology has always worked in polarities from ancient times. Yeah. Uh, but but I really think that Leo is really the, the, the riddle of the Sphinx. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I think that the real Sphinx, the real riddle we have to solve is what the personality and the center is and what kind of center we are.
3: Yeah.
2: And we should, I think, awake to that Inner center, which yeah. is also uh, in relationship to, to Leo and, and therefore with Aquarius, of course.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the point within the center, um, that's the symbol that we're using for our upcoming seminar, which I should have mentioned. Um, I believe it's on November 14th, it's on a Saturday in the mm. middle of November. And so we'll invite all of you uh, here today you will be receiving various emails about it but we should have i should have mentioned it earlier we hope that you can all participate in uh, that discussion including you eduardo <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, great <laughs> um
0: it's interesting that the tibetan introduces the science of triangles as the most important part of the astrological studies of the future age he warns that accuracy in computation is not possible today. And that's yeah. something we should, it,
2: yeah. Yeah, I think that the whole work of triangles has profound astrological implications, as I, as I said. In the third section of esoteric astrology as the Tibetan introduces the science of triangles, he adds that there has been no real accuracy in computations mm-hmm. since the ancient Egyptian days. Yeah. At this point, we have already noticed that in the secret doctrine, H. P. Blavatsky states that the secret of computations is a matter only known to initiate, so what hope have we? <laughs> yeah. But the question arises, maybe, I mean, uh, for me it is interesting, that when were those ancient Egyptian days? And uh, some remarks about Egypt and astrologers we get from Clemens of Alexandria, the great Christian father, who wrote that the astrologers were to be seen at the front of the sacred processions and carrying the books of Hermes, supposedly Mm on astrology, of course. Mm -hmm. And recent discoveries in temples of Egypt also prove that, as the Tibetan said, astrology thrived in Egypt. I find it interesting that archeological and historical testimonies agree with the statements made in esoteric astrology or the secret doctrine. So it seems that to in order to make astrology really work, we should understand the science of triangles and have the right methods of computation. But these things will come as a result of other important changes that the human being must make. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, What are some of the particular triangles that you find of most interest? Are there any that you've particularly um, contemplated?
2: Well, uh, I found, there's one that I found fascinating. And uh, although, you know, uh, for instance, let us consider the triangle. we, we We speak about the triangle Shambhala hierarchy humanity. Right, But this triangle has correspondence with and is informed by energies which come from a greater cosmic triangle. triangle. The constellation of the Great Bear, which you mentioned, the origin of the seven ray forces, the Pleiades, symbolically the seven wives of the seven wishes of the Great Bear, representing humanity, and of course, Sirius, the magnetic star of a hierarchy. And these energies are said to reach and overshadow the earth via other triangles or const of constellations and planets. So the amazing idea emerges that in this cosmic network, our solar system is only a center within a greater cosmic Logos or being, and this great logos or being is in turn a part of a of an even greater cosmic logos. So
0: and on and on, it never ends and on <laughs> and on, yeah.
2: So we as humanity are only one single note within a cosmic harmony, truly the music of the spheres we have spoken about some mm-hmm. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We 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 have thus an extraordinary picture of interlocking triangular energies most of which the human being cannot comprehend but which the future science of astrology will learn to recognize and use it is as if we through our group meditation are becoming increasingly sensitive to to a wider scope and become able to touch new strings of that cosmic musical instrument right Mm-hmm. So uh, the and the ancient Pythagoreans had a secret and holy symbol which represented this universal numerical order and musical instrument they called it the tractis so much talked about in the secret doctrine and it was represented as a triangle of descending numbers 4 3 two, 1 as holding the secret of the cosmos that's mm-hmm. amazing isn't it yes mm-hmm. But I think that when we talk about computation, uh, you know, the, the, um, these accurate computations, which are no longer possible, we're told by the Tibetan, I think is one of the pivotal statements in the science of triangles, because we read that certain basic changes in the orientation of the axis of the earth are taking place, yeah. which virtually impede accurate astrological computations. Mm-hmm. And these computations seem to be the key to the right casting of the horoscope of the soul. So these changes are not said to be of a cataclysmic nature, but they proceed according to cosmic law. The result of this basic swaying motion is what we call precession of the equinoxes. So to anyone who knows, the earth, to be spinning around on her axis, the example of a spinning top with with its inclined axis slowly shifting around in a circle makes the knowledge somewhat intuitive. As a result of this movement, the equinox, the point at which the plane of the earth's orbit, the ecliptic, cuts or intersects the equator, is seen to move back in retrograde motion along the ecliptic, performing a whole revolution in about 25,000 years. So this equinoctial point is presently leaving the constellation Pisces and entering Aquarius. It is within that intermediate area between two fields of energy and experience because there are no fixed boundaries upon the path of the sun. What appears so, we are told, is part of a great illusion. This is why we are said to be in that bridging zone between Pisces and Aquarius. Yes. So in, in, in the West, we take the spring equinox as the beginning of the zodiac and define the rest of the zodiac from this point. But this movement has caused a great discrepancy because our zodiac signs are not the constellations of the sky but virtual divisions of the ecliptic. And this discrepancy did not exist in the days of ancient Egypt, as we said. Yes. And even more interesting, this movement, according to law, has brought the axis of the earth to orient itself towards Polaris, the great star of direction, which is said to govern Shambhala, together with two other stars called the pointers. Yes right? It's it's an amazing picture, isn't it? And even if it sounds a little technical, the point is that there are so many influences unaccounted for, which the future astrology will have to incorporate and study. Some of them within the system, we are told, I mean, I think at this point, we will all agree that the physical plane universe is not the whole and only reality. There are invisible energies. And you know, the, the Tibetan warn, warns us of the presence of certain planets which have an influence within the system. Some yes. of them are not yet physical and in process of becoming material, some others no longer physical and therefore in process of disintegration. So yeah. we have invisible forces operating within the system. And the moon is said to be in the late category. This is why uh, she is said to veil Uranus. And other energies which are especially, to which we are specially open mainly during the full moon meditations come from outside our system. So yes. the etheric web of the earth is in a way a reflection of a major cosmic network of interlocking energies, that triangle we have been talking about. Uh, well, it's an amazing picture, isn't it?
0: Yes. We only have a few minutes left. And so I think maybe we should ask that we could open this up to our audience and see, um, you might see some comments here that you would like to address. I think a lot of people have been forming triangles. And I just like to throw in there that if you are going to form a triangle, we would ask that you consider registering it. And you can do that by going to triangles.org, um, register your triangle because then we can keep track of them and it's really helpful for us to send introductory information. Um, and if anyone would like to share a comment or question to Eduardo audibly, you can click on your name in the participants box and we can then unmute your microphone. So, okay. did you see any comments?
2: Course, uh, I, yeah, I, I can see some comments, yes. Uh uh I wanted to have an idea of how many triangles are uh ah, okay. Okay. I know that this is not my karma to die of COVID or however it doesn't <laughs> mean that I can still get sick from that bug. Okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have I to beat. we don't have to address every point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've been <beat> through
0: that.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, some comments and triangle. Isn't the individual horoscope a waste of time since the spiritual path transforms us and transcends us from such limitations? Well, uh you know, yes, we, we we're trying to shift the focus from the individual horoscope to the possibility. So maybe we should ask what is individuality, right? Uh, And what we mean by individual horoscope. I think that the future astrology will not do away with individuality. It means that we're all souls. So the future astrology will be able to cast the horoscope of the soul. We'll be able to include the, the ray energies, and uh, maybe the in individual horoscope I was referring to that the ancient Greek and Roman tradition has so much focused on is the horoscope of a personality right? and uh, well, the Tibetan gives a few hints uh, on that, what kind of, of what kind of points we should take into account. If we want to get closer to, to the astrology of the future, for instance, not to lay too much stress on the solar sign, uh, you know, uh, that he says that the ascendant, the rising sign, has a clue to the experience of the soul, of the incarnated soul, so it has the key to the, the, the mission of the soul, at least within this incarnation, of course. You know, when we speak about astrology, any horoscope uh, uh, as we know it now is sort of contract with time and space. But sooner or later, astrology has to evolve to a more universal conception. Uh, We don't know the rules yet, we don't have the keys yet. Uh, I use the word key because we we are told that astrology will be one of the Keys to the understanding of esoteric knowledge, you know, yeah. it will be it will provide with the missing fourth proposition of the secret doctrine, which we find we find the third, the three first one in the proem on the on the secret doctrine. So uh, there's a key yet to be given. All we can do is to experiment on a few hints we're given, right? Uh, there,
0: there's a few, a few different ways, I think, of understanding a soul chart from what he said. I, I feel like there's a process of right. evolution. Like we can work with, as you said, with our horoscopes um, and basing our understanding of the soul influence through the rising sign, but also through the esoteric ruling planet of the rising sign. But he also gives other, he gives quite a few other um, hints that, of techniques we can use. But one of the most interesting comments, I think, for me at least, that really distinguishes the actual soul chart, another type of soul charts, I think there are various types, is his statement on Hitler. And he says that he has no interest and has not looked at the uh, personality horoscope of Hitler but he said that in Hitler's soul chart, Leo plays a very predominant role. And so my conclusion from that is that, and other things that the soul chart is very much often related to the prenatal chart because if you go back, he was a Taurus. If you go back nine months, it's the sign of Leo. And if you go back nine months from Hitler's birth, there's a lot of um, interest in the sign Leo in that heart, in that area. So I think that's a real hint as to possibilities of, of uh, the prenatal chart being related to. Well, so. That's a
2: very interesting, uh, the prenatal chart, you know, has been this, well, just a few astrologers have gone into prenatal charts.
0: Hermes, was, Hermes did, Hermes Trismegistus, yeah. right? He gave a
2: formula. Yeah, the trutine of Hermes, Yeah, which, which we inherited via the Helles, Hellenistic tradition, yes. apparently. Well, and Ptolemy talks very much about uh, the, the the horoscope of conception, yes. which is to be calculated w- with a very specific method, right? Yes. But I, I think that one of, of uh, one of the things we could start with, I think, is by replacing uh, the exoteric rulers with esoteric rulers. Yeah, I think it, it yeah. really works. Yeah, uh, it gives a, the prison You're governing this prison house. Yeah, it gives a completely different perspective, and yeah. whenever you find the moon, for instance, you can, you you do the, the 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 experiment of replacing it with Uranus, for instance. Yes, and see what happens. What, what kind of uh, relationship? Uh, is established. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, predictions has always been uh, uh, something much talked about during the whole astrological tradition. The ancients were very laid high level of importance on prediction. In fact, they have methods of calculating the time of death. Well, you know, yes. it, it may yeah. seem a bit awkward today, a bit weird, but uh, they have a very different relationship with death. You know, they met death at each step. And yeah. the ancient world was, world was a very different one. But I think that those texts show that they were in touch with an, uh, an even an- more ancient tradition they were trying to reproduce. so. I think there was a time when astrology thrived and had the real computations. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a very interesting historical fact. Right? Yeah. Someone says, isn't the hope of predicting personal and group events by way of astrology also a waste of time? <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> Well, th- there are many things we do which are a real waste of time. I, I, <laughs> <must have been. laughs> Maybe this one's not the biggest <laughs> waste. <laughs> but anyway, from the point of view of of, of uh, the study of astrology, sometimes we experiment. We try to to deduce some rules out of we uh, study charts, and well, sometimes we do many things which lead nowhere <laughs> in a way. Uh, but I think that we still have to solve this problem of uh, what prediction is really about. And we really have to move from the, the importance we, we give to outer events to how we deal with energies. You know, I was thinking for instance, uh, we have an upcoming full moon, right? In Scorpio Kathy. Right? Yes. Have Halloween. Seen, On Halloween. <laughs> oh, well, that's not my national holiday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm having a cultural shock now. <laughs> but it's conjoined okay. Uranus, I know. What, what that is that, <laughs> Halloween? <laughs> OK, but well, you know, conjoining- uh, Uranus, sure um, yes. to the degree. Right? Yes. Should be a and, powerful. You know, I, I was, how could we interpret that in terms of energies? I was thinking.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, Uranus seventh ray, which has a power of fusion, and and helps to to uh, integrate polar opposites. Yeah. We have uh, the the polarity Taurus Scorpio, which is you know, yeah. um, well, you know that that polarity is uh, a way as a channel the energy of other six solar systems, of which, uh, you know, uh, our solar system is a part of a greater being, and, uh, you know, it also has the influence of Sirius, a very magnetic uh, star, and, you know, how could we interpret that in terms of energy, what what kind of opportunity we have ahead?
0: I I Uh, think it could be related to that scorpio taurus axis, of the fourth ray you know it could be a real portal for bringing in fourth ray energy which is interesting because um the world goodwill seminar is going to be focused on working predominantly with fourth ray energy from one aspect and so it's a good to have it prepared or the ground fertilized by this full moon energy which precedes yeah
2: have you noticed that we will have the energy of the four fixed signs there i had scorpio Uranus yeah. Yeah. and Leo also because of the sun. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, I, I think next uh, full moon will be a very powerful one.
0: Yes, yeah. And it precedes the United States election, which is going to prove to be quite an event on the world stage. So we all have to keep that in mm-hmm. our minds and hearts. And um, But now, unfortunately, we do have to close. But maybe we'll gather together some of the comments and, um, Maybe we could address them in a future future webinar. Um, of course. The, yeah, of course. anytime people send in a comment that seems quite interesting to us, we can always address it at another time. And we're sorry that we never have time to address all the points. But um, It's not a lot of time in a webinar. So yeah. thank you so much, Eduardo. No, uh,
2: thank you course. for having me. Thank Was you. It- <laughs>
0: And thank, thank you, you, everyone. Every, yes, yeah, thank you, everyone, for your attention and your comments. And now let's just end with a moment of silence to link up with the planetary
1: network. And we distribute the energies
0: contacted here today through the network and into the minds
1: and hearts of all humanity. Thank you all again.